Yeah, well, I'm sorry about that, too, Ma. He won't do it again, I promise you. What are you going to do about it? What, the crap or the Oreos? About cry? God damn it, I don't have no privacy in my own home no more. Well, I confronted him about it, Ma, and I, I guarantee it won't happen again. Privacy in your own home? A whole goddamn bag of Oreos. Stop that, you goddamn baboon. No respect, no privacy, no nothing. Bang. Help, the human's about to escape. Get your paws off me, you dirty ape. He can talk. He can talk, 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 he can talk. I can see. Dr. Zayas? Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. Oh, Dr. Zayas. Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. What's wrong with me? I think you're crazy. Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. Oh, Dr. Zayas. Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. Can I play the piano anymore? Of course you can. Well, I couldn't before. Okay, good afternoon, good morning, good evening. It's uh, a, a bank holiday Monday recording session, and it is Dude and a Monkey episode 67. Uh, my name's Ian Loring, and as always, I'm joined by... And Mark Foster. Hello, everybody. Indeed, indeed. Uh, so, uh, should have a good show for you this week. Uh, we've got a review of uh, the um, insanely massively budgeted, uh, w- which I wasn't aware of, like $225 million budget X-Men Days of Future Past, uh, which is the, I suppose, is the last massive, massive, holy fuck blockbuster uh, pre-World Cup, um, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, yeah there's, there's, a bit of, there's a bit of a break for... The next sort of five, six weeks of the the, the fucking the huge temple, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. At least in the UK, anyway. Um, so, uh, but yeah, I mean, there's still stuff coming out in between, just not as big. Uh, so yeah, X Men: Days of Future Past, the main review. We've also got some one old, one new. Uh, quite a lot of trailers came out this week, so that that section might take a little while. And also, the first part of Ian and Mark throw their own shit at each other as we take a look at the classic original uh, Planet of the Apes starring Charlton Heston uh, dude the monkey at gmail.com at Ian Loring at dude Foss, at dude the monkey Mark have you got anything to add um, no no uh, not nothing no, not, not a lot to add uh, there was the news that uh, that broke that seems to have uh, destroyed the world in, although it does seem to I'm looking out my window and it's it's still going on um, planes aren't falling from the sky or anything uh, but Edgar Wright is no longer doing Ant-Man, and that is the end of cinema. So, obviously, everybody now hates Marvel Studios, and they... Oh, terrible ob- bastards, aren't they? They, they? they obviously just can't let artists do their own thing, despite the fact that a month ago everyone seemed to love Captain America Winter Soldier, and now the Marvel Cinematic Universe is, is obviously... Coming is coming to a, a, a fanboy end because a director dropped out of Ant Man because 
he had creative differences. It's in the end of the day, it was always a weird pairing, and I could see them trying to force in more cinematic universe stuff. Now that stuff is so successful, and I could see Edgar Wright saying, "No, I'm making my own film." In the end of the day, he's a very individual director. You can't imagine he would be very happy with filmmaking by committee. And one could argue that might be why Scott Pilgrim vs. The World did nothing at the box office, despite the fact everybody loves it. Uh, it's, I don't know, Marvel, Marvel just employed James Gunn to make a blockbuster. They don't play safe. It, it feels a bit... And, uh, you know, from, from the looks trailer-wise of Guardians of the Galaxy, it looks like James Gunn has made his version of, uh, of Guardians of the, of the Galaxy. Uh, there's also, there's a big argument to suggest that, you know, that they gave um, Avengers Assemble to um, Joss Whedon. Mm. That's not a safe pair of hands. It was his second film. Message. It was his second film. Exactly. Um, you know, and... Let's you know. Let's be honest. I'm I'm not an Edgar Wright hater. I don't dislike the guy, but I'm also not a massive fanboy of his. I really, really like one of his films, and the other three, I really, I I, I can completely take all in. Um, but you know, this is it, it's a big comfort zone of him stepping out of. Um, and into something you can't, you can't take a Marvel film, a pre-existing product like that, something of that scale, Marvel at the Marvel films now, and say, I want to make a blah film. You can make your own version of it, but you can't say, I want to make the same as James Gunn can't going to say, I want to make a James Gunn film. You can't do that. You've got to make your version of that property, of that Marvel property. It just, it, 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 it was, I was a little bit taken back of the fact that people seem to turn so quickly on something that they loved an hour earlier. Um, and it just seemed to go, well, it's terrible what they've done. I actually saw people tweeting saying, I feel so sorry for him. What? For, for what? You feel sorry for what? I, I, I'm, I'm sure that Edgar Wright will get to make another movie. I'm sure that that isn't it, that he's now out on the street begging for money or anything. It is crazy, the reaction behind it. And to be fair, he also gets to play the I'm I'm an artist, I'm a man of my principles card, which will stand him in good stead in, in terms of credibility for the years ahead. I mean, as... If you want to be really fucking cynical, it's a great PR move for Edgar Wright. It's a great PR move, I, I think, uh, you know, to an extent for, for both of them, because, you know, this is a movie that had a very niche um, kind of appeal, uh, whereas now it's got the, the property of Ant-Man out there. Uh, the fact that people have become so kind of enraged, but I don't, it just it, it seems a little bit strange. I, I'll be honest, out of you know, out of four uh, Edgar Wright movies, I, I personally don't see this altruistic style that other people see really within it. 
Um, I, I don't, I don't get it. He's there's there's not just his stamp on three of those movies, and the one that really did go out of his comfort zone. You know, I know a lot of people liked it, but also it, it wasn't universally praised like some of these other movies were. Uh, it was. It, it was a little bit kind of hit and miss, you know, and critically it was mid, but financially it was it was a bit of a failure. I mean, it, it didn't really make any great waves. I, yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's interesting. And his last movie, Bond. It's, it's like, well, Zen did okay, but it, I, 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 you know, I know it, I know they expected it to do better in the UK, but it just it didn't quite seem to connect in the way that Sean or Hot Fuzz did. It, it's I don't know that was that was weird. But I mean it, I mean also this whole thing about Joss Whedon doing a photo of himself with a Cornetto rapper and people extrapolating that as saying, oh you know now Joss Whedon's not very happy happy with Marvel Studios. It just no. I've got a feeling it was just him saying, I respect you, Edgar Wright. Cheers. See, like, see you later. It, it yeah. just, I, I, the, the need to make a story out of absolutely everything. But then again, I mean, then again, Joss Whedon knows it's going to be a story. So it's, I don't know. It's, Joss Whedon it's interesting. Likes, likes his publicity though, doesn't he? He likes his, 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 his vague publicity. There's he's like that. He's that kind of character. There's that as well. I mean, I, in the end of the day, I think the big, I think the big player in all of this is the producer Kevin Feige. The the minute that guy says, "Hang on a second, not sure about this, I'm off," that's when you know the Marvel Cinematic Universe is in trouble. You know, it, yeah. it just it's, I I it, it just it kind of almost feels like some writers out there were waiting for something so that they can just say, right then, Marvel's fucked now, let's let's do this. And it's going to be interesting to see how Guardians of the Galaxy is received because you've got the James Gunn factor, but then you've got the Marvel Studios factor. It's like the two jostling up against each other. It's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. And if, like, I, I don't know, Next year with Avengers Age of Ultron, you're going to have Joss Whedon and their Marvel Studios. It's almost like the, the writers, the film writers out there can't go fully anti-Marvel Studios because they've still got enough car, like they've still got enough people in play that the people writing those audiences, that like the, their audience still like those people. But it's like the minute Joss Whedon's done with Marvel Studios, it's going to be people all over the place saying, right, that's it, Marvel's done, on to the next thing now. And it just, at the end of the day, as long as these things keep on making money, which they're going to for the foreseeable, yeah, it, it doesn't matter what people write. It, it's, it, it's, it's, I don't know, it's a, a niche, I mean, which, you know, film fans who read these things and write these things are niche you know, and I mean, like, I, I know my place in that, that I'm a fan of a niche thing. And I think maybe some people think they have more of a say than they actually do with, you know, and that more people listen to them than they actually do. In the mm. end of the day, I don't think so. As long as these things 
I mean, fuck, Captain America 2 is going to make like $750 million worldwide or something. It's a ridiculous amount more than the first one. For the Dark World did way more than the first one. It just, yeah, it, it's, it's hit after hit with these people at the moment. I mean, look at the, look at the opening weekend that, um, that the, the film that we're going to talk about uh, later on just had. It's, it's incredible, you know. X Men: The Future Past is making more than they expected so far. I mean, it was like crazy. the US opening was like something like fifty percent more than first class, and you've got yeah. I, I mean, you you have got the USP of the old cast and the new cast, and Jennifer Lawrence is hot right now, and all that kind of stuff. But it just still a fifty percent increase. That's fucking impressive. I this this shit's not going anywhere. No, and I'll, for better I'll, or worse. My, I'll come into my thoughts on, on, on that that later on. But it just, yeah, I mean, Edgar Wright, he'll make something else. It'll be interesting to see what he does. I don't, I, I, I doubt he'll announce anything for a while because it, it sounded like he didn't really have anything else in the pipeline. It, it's, it's very reminiscent of when um, Del Toro left Hobbit. Sure. Uh, and for, you know, for years, you know, Del Toro was going to do The Hobbit going to do it, going to do it, and then eventually he just went, do you know what, no, I'm not doing it to, to Jackson, Jackson was like, well, why, because you want to direct it, just direct it, but if I'm directing it, I want to do what I want to do, I don't want to get told what I have to do, so there you go, I'm walking away, yeah. and he walked away, um, and it, it's very reminiscent of that, and that didn't fucking harm the Hobbit, did it, really? <laughs> No, no, quite, quite. It, it just, I, I don't know. It, it kind of, it just kind of feels like people have been waiting for Marvel to slip up, and as soon as this one thing happens, it, it just, it's pile on Marvel Studios. And I mean, I'm not even, I, I, I'm not a massive, massive, massive Marvel Studios fan, you know. But I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not. I like, I like their films, but I don't have any particular allegiance to them or anything like that, you know. I mean, it, in it, it just people need to calm the fuck down. As mm. the people who say, "Oh, all these comic book movies, all these comic book movies," there's like what four or five in a year, and I think there's something like eight hundred films released in a year. It, it just <laughs> chill yeah, the fuck yeah, out. There were other films released this week that you could go and see. Yeah, I mean that. that yeah, exactly. You know, it, it just I don't know. Anyway, trailers. Mark, go on. Yeah, well, I, 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 the thing is, I can remember watching a couple, uh, but I probably have watched more. So when it comes to you saying something you watched, I'll probably go, oh, shit, yeah, I watched that. Um, uh, Magic in the Moonlight, the uh, latest Woody Allen film um, with uh, Alan Watson and Colin Firth and, you know, the whole crop of other ones. Um as we put it forward, he has this thing about he makes a movie a year. Um, is that creatively healthy? I just don't think it is. They all seem to kind of... They're, they're, do you know what they're like, Woody Allen movies? They're like a Nokia menu system where you think that it's never changed and it's always been the same. But if you go back and look at one that, you know, that was 10 years old and then you look at one that was 8 years old, they just slightly tweaked it, and that's what his films seem to do, where he makes a film, then he makes another film, and it's very similar, 
but it, it edging towards a different direction, and then the next film edges more towards, and they just keep on snaking round. They all feel like one continuous sort of thread that feeds through them, um, because there's this there's one a year like fucking clockwork, and it just I don't know. I watch it and go, well, it, yeah, it, it looks like the one that he had out last year, um, and that looked like the one he had out the year before, and. You know that some of them are going to be good. You know, um, what was it they released a couple of years ago? Uh, Midnight in Paris. Midnight in Paris, yes, Midnight in Paris. I really like Midnight in Paris. That was really nice. Um, but then, you know, it's do you want one really good Woody Allen film every three or four years, or do you want ones of cropping every five? I just I can't get excited about Woody Allen films anymore. I can. I, I don't know. I think it looks fun. It, it's, I don't know. I mean, like, the, I suppose the good thing with Willie Allen films is you don't really know, like, what to expect going in anymore. You've got no idea whether it's going to be good or bad. He's, he's, he's not consistent in the slightest, but I, I don't know. I, I, I'm kind of looking forward to see, like, seeing Emma Stone and Colin Firth in a period comedy drama thing about mystics. That sounds like a fun time to me, so. I, I thought the trailer was decent. Uh, next one was uh, the uh, Clouds of uh, Phyllis Maria, uh, the uh, Kirsten Stewart, Chloe Grace Moretz and Juliet Binoche film. Uh, looks vaguely interesting. It looks like one of those where it'll either, you'll either get on board with it, with the characters within sort of the first 20 minutes or it'll completely lose you. Um, you know, it's a, it's an interesting cast, it's an interesting idea, but it, it could quite easily just be a piece of shit. I didn't see this one. It look, it actually looks alright. Uh, the next one was, we, I don't know, can you call this a, a, a trailer? We saw a teaser clip of um, Lost River. Oh yeah, okay. The um, upcoming Ryan Gosling film which uh, seems to have caused uh, somewhat of a, 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 a split in the Cannes audience. Um, the thing is, with a Cannes audience, is you can always take it with a pinch of salt. To be fair, it's kind of like, I'd say it's 80%, 20%. Yeah, I, I, I'd actually agree with that. Yeah, it probably is. It is closer to, to, to that. It's probably not 50-50. Uh, but, you know, I always take, you know, whatever comes out of Cannes with a little bit of pinch of salt, because they just... There's a lot of films that have been derided at Cannes where you've watched them and gone, that's actually quite good. And there's a lot of films that have been lauded at Cannes where you watch it and go, that's shit. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to watching it because um, cause I'm a, 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 a big, unashamed uh, Ryan Gosling fan. You know, when you look at the filmmakers that he likes, uh, the filmmakers that he chooses to work with, uh, it was never going to be a a kind of very linear, this is my story kind of thing. Um, but maybe people weren't quite expecting it to be um, as um, kind of arty as, as as it seems to have been. Uh, and that clip looks, it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. Whether or not it'll be any good, I don't know. Whether or not it is just... A guy who's throwing a load of ideas together uh, and calling it a movie, you know, is is highly plausible. Um, but you know, the Matt Smith uh, look at my muscles thing, um, 
got me interested, uh, and I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it. Uh, there was one. There was one very interesting thing that, that came out of the not the trailer itself, but on the teaser, or whatever it was, clip. Uh, that interested me was the fact that people, because you know, when anything's vaguely fucking weird, people are gonna go, "Oh, it's Lynchian," and it's very much, it, you know, it's really, you know, are you gonna go there? It's vaguely weird, so it's Lynchian. Okay, brilliant. But the fact that somebody was saying that there's sort of shades of like Mario Barber in there, that's that's interesting. Sure. Um, so, yeah, so there's that. And the last one that I can remember watching uh, was the uh, Life of Crime uh, trailer. Um, the uh, Elmo Leonard book, um, which has been turned into a movie uh, with a cast featuring Tim Robbins, Will Forte... Uh, Jennifer Aniston, John Hawks, uh, not so deaf, although he's been called by his new name, um, and uh, Matt Bond Jr. So I, it's. Have you seen the trailer for this? No, 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 I haven't. Uh, looks looks very good because um, it's based on the uh, Elmo Leonard book, uh, The Switch, which is about a guy who is uh, about to uh, divorce his wife, leaving her for his mistress. Uh, and just as he sets in motion the divorce and he's about to announce it to her, she gets kidnapped. So, of course, he doesn't actually want her back, uh, and then that sends into a spiral of events of him trying to pretend that he wants her back, but not actually wanting her back. Hmm. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, it looks, looks very interesting, and that's a, that's a solid cast. Yeah, I, I hadn't even heard of that, to be honest. Yeah, it's uh, it's directed by uh, the guy who did supporting characters. Oh, really? You, you really liked that, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're a big fan of that. Uh, Dan um, Shetter. Okay. Yeah, it's directed by him. Yes, I will. I will watch this. Um, supporting characters. I think it might still be on Netflix UK. That's a cracking little indie, actually. Um, yeah, all right, I haven't even heard of this, Mark. Nice. Yeah, it just, it just crops up on a trailer thing that I subscribe to. It's um, yeah, it, it, it looks very uh, Elmo Leonard, but it also it looks like it could be quite a lot of fun. So I'm, I'm very much looking forward to that. Um, oh. Go on and throw throw out what you what you watch, and I'm sure I'll go. Oh shit, yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, no worries. So uh, trailer for uh, Kingsman: The Secret Service. Uh, it's the uh, the Matthew Vaughan directed um, Colin Firth um, starring uh, th- uh, adaptation of a Mark Millar comic book, I believe. Oh yeah. Uh, which uh, looks good. I mean, it it it, it looks fun. Um, I'm a little bit not too sure how I'm going to get on with the. Uh, basically, it's Colin Firth like gets this like this kid off the street, um, and he kind of sees potential in him, and like it, it kind of grooming grooming him to be a secret agent. And uh, I'm I'm not too sure about him, uh, the, the the kid, to be honest. But yeah. I'd rather see just Colin Firth going around and kicking ass. But um, we'll we'll see. I mean, it looks stylish. It's a Matthew Vaughan film, so you kind of expect that. Um, and uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I I think it does a good job of kind of selling it without really kind of giving away too many of the action beats, really. So yeah, um, solid. Uh, teaser trailer for Big Hero Six, which is the uh, 
a Disney film based on a on a Marvel property, even though they're actually not bigging up Marvel in the trailer at all, which I think is interesting. Uh, which looks fun. Um, it, it, like they very much play the teaser for laughs, but uh, you know why not? That that looks alright. Um, the trailer for the Equalizer, which is the uh, Denzel Washington and Chloe Grace Moretz as a prostitute film, uh, which looks alright. Um, Lottie was going fucking mental uh, while I was watching <laughs> this this morning, which was like she was loving it. Uh, so I'm not too Whoa. sure. It, like. It, yeah, I don't know what that was about, but uh, good for her. Um, and uh, I kind of feel like I've seen more, but maybe not. Um, I'm just having a quick look now. I mean, that, those were all the ones I'd seen that were on Trailer Addict. Um, yeah, I mean, I probably have seen more, but I think I'll probably just leave it there. Yeah. Um, did you see any of those? Uh, no, I didn't see any of those. I think I saw, no, I think I saw the... Um No, I didn't actually. No. No, I, think I started to watch the Equalizer. I think I started to watch the Equalizer one, then my phone rang. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, you're not missing much. I mean, apparently, like, test screenings and stuff for it have been kind of going through the roof. Um, they're, they're talking of it being a bit of a late summer sleeper. So, um, looking forward to that. I mean, it's, it's Denzel back with Anton Fuqua and... Um, you know, I, I, you yeah. know tra- training day's great. Olympus has fallen, has its moment, so why not? Yeah, uh, and apparently it is based on the, uh, the TV Edward, series. Yeah, the, Ed, the Edward Woodward one. Yeah, 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 quite. Um, which, which, of course, is the TV, is the TV show that uh, Rob Ryan is watching in Wolf of Wall Street. Indeed. When he loses his shit, yeah. Yes, yes, re-watched really Wolf of Wall Street. Not going not gonna to talk about it in, um, in, in what we watch, but that, that fucker holds up. Yeah, that, that's my fifth watch, and it just keeps getting better. Jesus Christ. Fair yeah, play. No. That's three hours long as well. Yeah, a second watch. I like we we stuck it on because uh, Donna watched it as well, and uh, like about eight o'clock ish on Saturday, and I was fully expecting, fully expecting us to kind of like watch half of it and then the second half the next day. But we we got we like ran through the whole thing. It, it's very 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 watchable that film, and I mean like I think yeah. people saying it's too long. I kind of think maybe with the last act where it kind of slows down the pacing a bit. Um, I, I think may, may, maybe there are accusations of that, which, which could be founded for some. Donna said it was it was too long, and I can see why, why people would think that. But I'm just, I you know, that world is a world I quite like watching, so I'm okay with the length myself. Yeah, <laughs> pardon me. Anyway, um, right, yeah. So let's uh, get on with it. Uh, quite a long preamble this week, the fair play, and uh, we shall have a clip from the. Uh, Actually, not trailer. It's going to be a clip from X Men: Days of Future Past, and we shall get into it. Can I help you? Uh, yeah. What happened to the school? Are you a parent? Sure, so hope not. Who are you? I'm Hank. You're Beast. Look at you. I guess you're a late bloomer. I don't know what you're talking about, but I'm gonna have to ask you to leave. <coughs> So where's the professor? There's no professor here. You're pretty strong for a scrawny kid. Come on. You sure there's not a little beast in there? Come on, beastie. Hey. I said the school's closed. You need to leave. Not until I see the professor. There's no professor here. I told you that. Look, kid. You and I are going to be good friends. You just don't know it yet. 
Professor. <coughs> Professor. So, X-Men Days of Future Past is directed by Brian Singer and stars Hugh Jackman and pretty much every single a cast member of every single other X-Men film, apart from the ones who were newly introduced in X-Men The Last Stand and the bad, quite a lot of the bad guy ones from First Class who uh, are all conveniently killed off. Uh, so, yes, X-Men Days of Future Past... Um, Story is Professor X, Magneto, Kitty Pride, Wolverine and a bunch of others are kind of hiding out in uh, China in 2030 something, I think it was. Uh, they are being hunted by Sentinels, uh, mutant killing machines, uh, first designed by Bolivar Trask, played in the film by Beated English. Uh, Wolverine is sent back in time, kind of, or his consciousness is sent back in time to the 70s, where he is tasked with uh, teaming up with uh, Professor X and Magneto in the 70s to stop Mystique from killing uh, Bolivar Trask, and so setting up the whole Sentinel program thing going forward in the first place full spoilers all the time so don't say we didn't warn you Mark X-Men Days of Future Past um, yeah I went into it since Days of Future Past uh, very much looking forward to it I wasn't a massive fan of uh, First Class but it grew on me the second watch um, and then I watched it uh, earlier today so this is Monday um, and you know was went to it still really excited and looking forward to it despite the fact that a lot of people seem to have, have, have really disliked it um, so went into it really expecting an, an X-Men movie and um, you know funnily enough really with it being uh, an X-Men movie um, and that's what I got uh, was an X-Men movie um, but with the action toned down a little bit and it's a little bit more they've gone for more of the dramatic angle we we Within this film, for instance, I would say that instead of Wolverine, we very much get Logan. Um, instead of Wolverine, you know, there's not a, a lot of great big action scenes for him. There's a lot of set pieces, um, but the action seems to focus in and around um, the sort of more peripheral characters, uh, the more protective characters uh, of the of the film. Uh, I I really enjoyed uh, X Men: Days of Future Past. I liked its more sort of somber. Uh, tone uh, to it, the fact that it is a little bit, it, it deals with sort of more kind of weightier issues, but in that way that the comic books uh, and graphic novels kind of do, where they they hide actual real world problems in uh, in problems where they're not overtly saying this is the problem. Uh, a prime example, and again. All spoilers, all time. Remember, a prime example is the fact that um, within the film, Charles Xavier is essentially a junkie. Um, you know, but without actually saying he's a junkie, he's you know going down that road. You know, uh, but giving it, it a reason for it. That's really very, very cleverly done, and it, it makes sense and it adds. It adds an added weight to the to this um, to this film that some of the other films that were more playful in, in the way that the X Men films um, kind of manoeuvred themselves within themselves, and this very much goes for sort of bigger 
bigger kind of issues, and I, I, I very much enjoyed that. I, I really liked X Men: uh, Days of Future Past. Yeah, I'm, I, I think I'm pretty much there with you, to be honest. Um, I, I can't say I was blown away by it. Um, you know, it's 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 not one where I'm going to be saying like it's one of the best summer blockbusters of recent years. I think we've been kind of. Um, I think we've been very lucky over the last few years with summer blockbusters. But I mean, like if it was five years ago and you were to say, and I, I was to say, you know, Days of Future Past four out of five, I'd be like, yeah, that's a great summer blockbuster. But I kind of think they've um, uh, raised their game, um, uh, you know, uh, of of late. Um, it, I, I think it's. I, I mean, I, I, I watched First Class last year, and I watched X Men's one to three uh, over the last week and a half or so, um, and so I think I'm relatively fresh on them, and I don't think it's quite as fun and playful as First Class is. Um, no. You know, no, good, no. It's kind of weird because First Class does feel like a reboot, even though Brian Singer was even involved at that point. Whereas this kind of feels like it's bringing it much closer in spirit to the original films. Um, and I also don't think it's quite as narratively tight and successful as X2 is. Um, X2 is a film which has a shitload going on with all sorts of characters, but it pretty much much makes it all feel important and justified. And I certainly think pretty much everything feels justified and important here, but I, it just it doesn't quite click as well for me. Um, and and I, 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 it's it's also a bit of a problem that this I, it kind of is the nature of the beast, but it's so beholden to your knowledge of so many other films. Even though, with the knowledge of all the other films, I still have to ask, yes, I know what the post-credits bit was on X-Men The Last Stand. That still doesn't explain how Professor X is back in his body. Um, <laughs> which which genuinely bothers me. The post-credits bit of X-Men The Last Stand, it's like his consciousness is in, is in the comatose guy. Cool. How the fuck has his body come back as well? I'd like to know a, that. A, a very, a very good point, actually. Yeah, I, I, I hadn't even thought of that until until then. Uh, and, and, then, but it's a very good point. And, and the thing is, it, it, you could say that's pernickety, but the way that every single other event of X Men: The Last Stand is tossed out the window and retconned. Well, not retconned actually, because it, it, it's like it's still kind of saying those events happened in this story, but it, it, to the characters they haven't. You know, I mean, apart from Wolverine, I mean that that's it. It, it made me laugh at the end, just how it's like, oh shit, Jean Grey's back. Oh shit, Cyclops is back. Everything's back to normal. Yeah, it, it's. It, it, it's it's very very amusing how much of a middle finger it's sticking up at, at the last stand, um, I, but I, it's I but yeah I mean generally I I I I have an awful lot of fun with it. The, uh, the I I think the character stuff in the fast in the first class universe is really interesting because whereas with the original films it's more the kind of like. The, the kind of the, the, the gay or outsider allegory and that's 
kind of all they had to play with. I mean, you, you had um, uh, aspects of, you know, um, some mutants not being able to hide it and some can, but yeah, which is kind of played with in the original films. Well, at least the first two. I mean, X-Men The Last Stand is just an action film. Uh, really, yeah. I mean, it, it, you know, I mean, it, it brutally is just an action film. Um, but the first class universe, they've actually set up really interesting personal dynamics where it's the interrelationships that really matter and not just the you're a mutant, you're not a mutant. You know, the relationship between McAvoy's Professor X and Fassbender's Magneto is really well played and it, it, it just the way it, it, they don't just hate each other. And I mean, they don't hate each other in, in, in the original films either. But, you know, the sides are very much defined there. Whereas here, at moments, there are shades of grey. And obviously, I mean, Mystique, it, it's an interesting character, even though Jennifer Lawrence, for most of it, is just going around and kicking people. Uh, but it, 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 they do just about, ju- like, manage to get away with her character in the end. Um yeah, I mean, it's, it's just, it's, it's very good. And the last act isn't all just womb, crash, explosion, CGI, CGI, CGI. There's a fair bit of that. But the, the, the kind of the climax is people talking and thinking, which is great. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it just, I think it's Singer very successfully reintroducing him, himself really directly into the world. And I hope that this kind of thing carries on with the next one and it doesn't just go into action, action, action. Even though, I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's crazy the amount of money that's spent on this film and, and like, the amount that, uh, you know, a lot of it is action by talking. That, that's interesting. Yeah, it, it is. And, you know, like you said, that is, it is interesting, the fact that, you know, it, it, it feels... It didn't feel as... Um, as epic as, as, as I expected it to be. And that's not a negative. I'm not meaning that as a negative... Um, it it's kind of it it encloses itself very much in this this kind of this is what's happening. There's you know essentially they're going back to stop this event happening, and then that's it. It's not it's not future mutants and past mutants fighting together against something. You know there's. The great thing about um, about this second film is there's no real discernible bad guy within the movie, um, you know. And the bad guy, you if you were to appropriate a, um, a bad guy into it, uh, it would be um, Trask um, as there. But it, you know, it's the, the thing there of is he the the, the bad guy? He, he's essentially doing what humanity does. If they're threatened by something, they work out a way to kill it. Well, I I, I, I like his reasoning that it's something that will bring humanity together in the, like the post-Vietnam world. Some you know something that's going to unite humanity against a larger threat, and it will make the human squabbles feel more petty as a result. That's an interesting idea. I don't think, apart from that one scene with Trask where he's actually saying that, I don't think that's particularly developed. But I like the fact that he's not just, he's not like uh, Brian Cox in X2, where he is just like, he's doing all this for like nefarious reasons. And it's, 
you know, it's not quite there. Or, or with X3, where it's just like mutant gone bad. Yeah, I mean, I think what what Days of Future Past seems to have done quite well is it's it it's taken the the pre-existing, you know, two and a little bit of three um, films, and the you know the, the essentially the prequel that left itself open to either continue a universe going into what would you know they could have done another prequel uh, beforehand, but they have they've brought it round and still done a prequel, but then also found a way to take the other X-Men and kind of fuse it all together, whilst at the same time almost rebooting itself within itself, uh, which is something that comic books, uh, which of course X-Men's a comic book, comic books have been doing that for, for decades. You know, they've been creating other worlds and then linking those worlds in with the pre-existing world so everything can kind of you know, branch off and that can influence that and this can influence this and we can do this and it's that can happen in that world because but we can go back to this world for it. And it that all makes sense. I think that's a very clever way they've gone about it. And it I kinda of came out of it and sort of said to you, so I went to see it with, with Becky and said, Well, if that you know, the the thing about that is we now know there's at least one other X Men movie coming out. And that felt like it would have been a nice place for it to, to end. It would have been a nice place for it to, you know, for that to have been, right, this is, this is where we're going to power down this version of X-Men. But then, uh, basically saying, yeah, but I want to know what's happened in that universe. I want to know what's happened to, uh, Magneto in that universe. What's happened to Mystic? And I thought, well, actually, yeah, do, you know what? So do I, actually. We've got yeah, a I whole mean- new world. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's, I, I think it basically, and I think this was their intent, it's basically, apart from the next Wolverine film, I think it's bye-bye James Marsden, Famke Anson, Patrick Stewart, you know, th- those guys, and it's mm. Hello, Fassbender, McAvoy, Lawrence, even though then again, I imagine they're probably only tied into free film contracts. Yeah. You know, so it's, it, it, it's it, after it, Apocalypse, who knows what's going to happen. That's it. It's going to be really interesting because, because right now, you know, I'm sure there's this, there's somebody out there that, you know, that, that work is already being done and they already know what's going on with Apocalypse. But, you know, for now, you know, there's, there's so much they could do with it. You know, it's how, how do all these, are we going back into the first class world? Are we going, are we continuing from where this has ended up? Are we, is there going to be a fucking mixture of both again? You know, it, there's, there's so much they can do with it. Um, the characters are quite bedded in quite well now. Um, you know, it, it would be... I, I think it would be remiss if they went back and sort of, like you say, reintroduced um, the characters from the first wave of these X-Men movies. I think there's a stronger um, basis um, coming from um, Fassbender and McAvoy. Um, there, you know, I want to know what happens more at what happens to them and how they get to this point. Yeah, I mean, like the, the Xavier School for Gifted Youngsters, it's back and everyone's happy there, and it's just like, right, okay, leave that universe alone. You know, I mean, mm. like, the, the, you know, there are an awful lot of possibilities, even though, you know, at some point. I mean, like the older films are going to catch up with the time, the, the time point that the first fucking X Men started, 
And it's like, well, yeah. what do you do? What the shit do you do then? Yeah, and and the thing is, there is as, as well. I mean, you know, the, the post credit bit, you know, where we we get to see um, the what will be the next villain. Let's face it, because uh, which wasn't really hidden very well. What with the fact that the next X Men's called X Men Apocalypse. Yeah. Um, so. Where does he fit in with all this timeline? Where oh, does he arrive? Fuck knows. Yeah, and that's what's interesting. That's what's interesting. We don't know where Apocalypse is going to arrive in, in the timeline. Uh, all I know is that when that finished, I was very much on the gate of going, yep, yep, fuck it. And I've got, I know I've got two years, but yeah, I'm, I'm well on board for the next one. I was, even though I was also a bit... I've just waited ten minutes of credits to see that. Yeah, but yeah it wasn't... It, 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 <laughs> it wasn't worth the ten minutes. There's Stick not that shit in the there. middle of the credits. It it's should not be mid-credits. That, it's not that good. It's not that big. You know, it no. just... It, I don't know. And, and, and especially seeing as we got... Essentially, nowadays, you get two credits. You get the graphic credits... And then you get the the standard white on black yeah, te- yeah. Uh, credits. Do your graphic te- uh, credits, and then then put it in, and then have the rest of your credits. Yeah. You know that that's where it, it, it should go. And I know that, that one of the, the what they'll say is, oh well, you know these people help make the movie, and we think that people should, you know, that is what they're going to say is the reason being. But you know. <sighs> Ten minutes worth of fucking credits to sit and essentially see a guy making pyramids, which is a cool image, you know. It just it it's, it, cool, yeah, it, it's just not one I wanted to wait that long for. Um, yeah, but I mean, I, I, I suppose going back to the film itself, though, I mean, I, I did, I, I, I kind of had fun with some of the stylistic stuff they were doing in the seventies, but no, I mean, not as much as First Class. Like First Class, he like. Matthew Vaughan wants to make a Bond movie hard, fair enough. But I mean, like that, I, like the, the kind of the interiors, you know, like uh, Kevin Bacon's kind of like layer in in that. It's there's it, interesting styling to that. But I mean, with with this, I mean, it had its moments. Even though one I thought was a bit overused, the um, the, the kind of almost like Sabruda footage looking stuff. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I thought that was inter- pretty interesting to start off with, where um, you know you, you saw like Mystique, and it was kind of like blue and un- indistinct, and it, it 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 almost kind of looked like footage where you know people would be scrutinising it twenty years later, saying you know is this real, is it not, what a mystery. But they they kind of overused that stuff. I, I thought a little bit. Whereas I mean the, the, the rest of the seventies stuff was what I mean some. A couple of songs Swears. and cars. Yeah, you know that. I, I, yeah, I, it's, it would have been and and Dinklage's uh, mustache. It would have been. Um, I, I don't know. Like Matthew Vaughan, like really had fun with that in first class, and it would have been great to have seen more of that. Yeah, I, yeah. I, the thing is, I. Um, that's one of the things that kind of grated on me a little bit about first class. To be honest. Oh, okay, fair enough. It, because I, I, I was very much the case, I, I know that, that it's set in the 60s, you don't have to keep reminding me with all this kitsch uh, that's thrown at it. And I think if it had been, if it had been too much of that in this, it, it would have kind of started to make me go, I get it, 70s, I get it. 
it just like it, it's a lot of this film is incredibly serious and it's quite heavy material and I, I mean it, I mean it is it is still comic booky and there are some laughs in there but it just I mean like I suppose the compa- a good com- way of compa- comparing it would be the F bomb in First Class was quite loose and quite fun. Yeah, it, whereas the F bomb here yeah. is very like in like in anger and like kind of dark and it, it just. I, well, McAvoy's character is in First Class. You know, often he's quite kind of playful and you know quite kind of jovial in this he essentially is broken yeah yeah i, I mean which I, I i suppose is fair enough and i mean there, there, there are moments that are great i mean magneto's moment on the plane where he's getting he, he's talking about all the brothers that were lost and you know how charles basically ra- ran away i like the fact that and mcavoy plays it well that professor like xavier in that world is quite guilty of a lot of shit as well Mm. You know, it, it's, it's, but it's, it's kind of, it's almost not moral stuff, it's character stuff. Yeah, I think the, 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 the majority of the, of that, um, joviality and that, that fun that comes through in this, uh, is in the, the kind of 15 minutes we get to spend with Quicksilver. Yeah, which, uh, w- w- you know, which is, which is great. And I mean, it's a great action scene, and, but people saying they wanted more of him. I can't help but feel he might have been a one joke that might have worn thin. It, 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 it's back to that, that similar thing of where people are, are saying, oh, why isn't there a Loki movie? It's because you can overdo stuff sometimes. And I think Quicksilver works very well for that, that particular sequence because it made sense him being there. If they'd have brought him along with them they'd have had to have written bits for him and he'd have become problematic on other bits because you could have basically just gone you know which, which often is why um, you have certain mutants that appear and are in it for a little bit and then go off somewhere else it's because there's, there's bits where it's a big kind of set piece where you could go well if I was there he could do this yeah. That's why on the big major bits you can't have so many of them there. Um, you know, one thing I will say is it, this is an incredibly violent film at yeah. once. For a, you know, essentially you've got these sentinels ripping people in half and ripping people's limbs off and everything like that. And you know, just because these are because it's it's a steel man or a man of flames. It's alright that you rip his arm off or set fire to his head. You know, or literally pull off his head and then stamp on it. Fantasy violence, you know, dude. Two, two words that it, mean they can get away with anything. It is. It, it, it's, it's incredibly. I, you know, I, I was, you know, during the violence, the, 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 the battle scenes, I was actually thinking, this is, this is one of the most violent twelves I have ever seen. It sure. is. It, it's, it's borderline on this film, I think. I think I, this pushes it as, as far as you will get it. It's the, oh, there's no blood. Yeah. All right, there's no blood, but there's a lot of fucking violence. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. It, it's, it, 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 but I mean, I don't know, weirdly, I mean, like, it didn't, 
yeah, but I mean, yeah, I suppose you're not gonna you're not gonna see people like complaining about that when they complain about the the Man of Steel uh, destruction porn. But in mm. yeah, I, it is it is it, it just it's the it's the lack of detail. I mean, it didn't really strike me when I was watching the film weirdly, but thinking about thinking back on it, yeah, you're right. Um, it, it's just it's fantasy violence, isn't it? They can just get away with anything. Um, yeah, the, it, it, it is that that thing. But yeah, it, it is one thing that definitely, definitely, I sort of, I've been taken aback uh, three or four times as, you know, that's that's brutal for a twelve eight. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, no true. I, 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 I just trying to think now. It's, I mean, you're right. I just, I actually can't think of any specific examples now. Now I'm thinking about it. But um, there's a, well, there's one where um, who is it? Uh, Bobby Drake gets his head pulled off by a sentinel. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> and then the sentinel stamps on it. Oh, that's right. Uh, what's it? Uh, who so is the start of the film? Yeah, that's the start of the yeah, film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then later on, um, the oh, I can't remember his name, Colossus, I think it is. Yeah. Um, he literally gets pulled in two, mm. you know, and it, it, just because you know it is it, like you say, it, it, it's the, it's that fantasy violence thing. And if it, you know, do I think that that will cause fucking twelve-year-old kids to, you know, to, to start crying or anything like that? No, I don't. But I, I just do watch it and think that's you know that's pushing the 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 twelve envelope a little bit a little bit too far you know it, it's it's going to give rank to sort of things dropping you know making things more acceptable and it, uh, yeah true that and I mean also the fact that you know there'll be a you know there will be a lot of five and six year olds being taken to see Days of Future Past oh yeah there, there, uh, there was there was a fair few in the in what I was um in the screen I was at yeah and uh, it, it, it like that's the kind of shit that would give them nightmares mm. yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah I can definitely see that yeah yeah I mean but I mean then again I mean like, to be honest I think you could throw that accusation at Godzilla as well I mean like in in terms oh, yeah. of tone. Yeah. Uh, like thematically more than what's shown on screen but that film like the the kind of the glimpses of Godzilla and the, the building up and you know it, it, it's just it's very it, you know I'd be getting very very edgy if I was a six or seven year old watching that and especially with the, the, the sound design as well of that film it just I don't the 12 the 12 a is it is what it is it's just stupid but um but then it just depends if you're a responsible parent, I suppose. Uh, pardon yeah. me. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't have too much more to say. I mean, I think it's I'm... slightly telling that we're not talking about the action sequences, which is impressive in a, in, in a way. But for a blockbuster, I can't say... I mean, apart from the Quicksilver one, I can't say I really remember all that much. I mean, like, the climax, apart from Magneto... Like with the with the baseball field, which is a cool image, but I can't really remember anything the Sentinels were doing. No, the, the, it was like you say it, it was. I, I don't think it really, you know, this like I said, there's some nice set pieces, but I think that this film is is trying to more 
tell its story than show you its story. Yeah, yeah, which I mean, I suppose is fair, but then again, comparing it to First Class, I mean, I think the Cuban Missile Crisis stuff towards the end is, like, really well handled, actually, in the kind of the battles between the good and bad mutants that are going on at the same time. I, I don't know, like, I, I, that, that kind of, that did work for me, but I, it's just, I don't know. It, I mean, it's definitely, definitely, definitely not shit. Definitely not yeah, shit. Um, but for me, it would rank third uh, of of the franchise behind X two and First Class. But it'd be behind X two above First Class for me. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely not shit. It's a it's a very very welcome return for Brian Singer, and we'll just see now if he turns up for Apocalypse because who knows what's going to happen there. Yeah, well, it'd be it'll be interesting to see what goes on with that. Yeah, well, they've already got the release date. It's going to be out in two years, whether he's um, on it or not. But uh, we shall see. Um, Okay, so let's have some promos and then we'll be back for some One Old, One New. Hi, I'm Sarah from GorePress.com, and along with my co-host Phil, we present the GorePress Gorecast. But Sarah, what is the GorePress Gorecast? Well, Phil, I'm glad you asked. It's a weekly show in which we review horror movies, discuss our love for the genre, and generally just blunder through, showcasing our startling ineptitude at podcasting. Hello, and welcome to another... Go- oh, for fuck's <laughs> sake, no, that is not helping! That sounds ridiculously professional. That can't be all we do, can it? It certainly isn't. We also try and talk a little bit about what we've watched recently and selflessly plumb the depths of B-Movie Hell so we can inform you, our loyal listeners, about what to watch and what to avoid. Well, that just sounds dandy. Where can I find such a podcast? Well, Phil, you can subscribe to us by searching for the new Gorepress Gorecast in iTunes or you can find us at gorepress.com. knowledge about this film. Are you tired of film podcasts where the hosts exist in a constant blissful state of agreement? I mean, the main, the main characters are two of the dullest main characters I have ever encountered in any film. Well, you're in luck. Let me introduce you to Chinstroke and Punter. One is an ex-film student with a penchant for David Lynch and hard cinema. The other is a man on the street. Listen in perplexed and horrified terror as we tear apart one film a week. It just really It's isn't. not visually striking. No. I'm just, just getting confirmation. It's just in That's the third time, though. I mean, I must, is this on? You can find us at chinstrokerversuspenter.podomatic.com. So come and share the victory. If you could fuck any man in film, who would it be and why? My answer is Lance Henriksen. Oh. He, he wouldn't tell. He looks like somebody... <laughs> He looks like somebody who can keep a secret. Okay, so it's one old, one new time. And uh, Mark, why don't you start us off? Okay, I'm going to start off uh, with my uh, one new. Um, uh, it's, a, it's an old one new. Um, but a film that I hadn't seen. Uh, but And actually uh, knew not a lot of, uh, really. Not a lot of what it was, what it was about. Um but I, it's one that I for years I kind of I'd seen the um, the VHS uh, and the DVD cover of, and it you know it's been on Netflix for a while, and I thought 
you know what? I'm gonna give it a go. And it's uh, the Vanishing, uh, which stars Jeff Bridges, Keith Sutherland, Nancy Travers, oh, and very okay. briefly um, Sandra Bullock. Um, have you ever seen this? Yes, yeah. I have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've, they, both the original and this. Hello. Oh, I, I think I lost you a second there. Oh, uh, but yeah. Oh, can you hear me? Uh, yeah, can you hear now? Yeah. Uh, yeah, both the original and this I've seen. Yeah, because it's, it's it's a remake of a French film, isn't it? Uh, yes. I think is it? The it's uh, George yeah, Slusier George. was the uh, was the director, but I don't know the the, the kind of the nationality of it. Yeah. I, I, I've not I've not seen the original. Uh, didn't actually know until I just looked at this and what is it? But yeah, so the Venice, so you, yeah, 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 you have seen them. Yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, drew my interest because like I said, seeing the uh, the sort of like the cover and stuff like that that crop up uh, and I like Jeff Bridges like uh, Keith Sutherland so thought you know it's um, you know it's under two hours long I'll, I'll, I'll give it a go I could do with some uh, early 90s thriller action um, it's story uh, is uh, you've got uh, Keith Sutherland uh, is on vacation with his girlfriend uh, Diane played by Sandra Bullock um, and they stuff off at uh, a gas station and Diane goes to go to the bathroom and grab some drinks and then never comes back um, Jeff then spends the next three years looking for her um, and just as it appears he's finally kind of stopped looking for her uh, and moved on and hooked up with a new girlfriend Rita played by Nancy Travis um, he gets offered a book deal to actually write his story about it, and once he puts his head back out there, um, the uh, captor or um, kidnapper, uh, Barney, played by Jeff Bridges, reappears um, and starts tormenting him. Um, I, I actually, uh, I actually quite enjoyed uh, the, the, um, the Vanishing. Um, it's most noticeable for a frankly bizarre performance by Jeff Bridges mm. uh, who puts on a very kind of strange voice and there's a great the film opens um, with him driving out to uh, a cabin uh, where he's, um, he's he's basically claiming that he's doing up this cabin uh, so he can be away from his family and while he's there he um like puts chloroform on a rag and times how long to kind of get an idea for how much chloroform you need to knock somebody out for how long. And then there's a, a really creepy scene where he actually kind of acts out how he's going to uh, kidnap somebody. And you get all of these, but he seems like a guy who doesn't seem quite all there. Um, you know, that he's not, that he's, He's not crazy, like, fucking maniac, wants to just kill people, psychotic. But, like, that he's woke up one day and thought, I wonder if I could do this, psychotic. And it, it kind of works quite well, and Bridges kind of does that. And he, he seems, like, quite affable as, as a kidnapper. And, like, you know, that he's, he's decided he could do these things, and he's got away with it out of just sheer fluke more than anything else. Um, and then you know you've got Keith Sutherland's character who goes from being you know a little bit you know kind of square and you know he seems like you know nothing interest he never does anything interesting to then you know he's like this 
weary traveller who all he's done is for like the past three years is just try and find out what happened. Um, and then it all kind of mixes together and you get this this crazy kind of ending, um, which is just, you know, in, you know, incredibly kind of 90s of it, where all this shit kind of gets thrown in and so much happens and you kind of watch it going, that's stupid. That's just, you, you've gone into realms of stupidity, but it's still, it's still quite watchable stupidity. Hmm. Well, you know, you, you know the, um, the ending of the original film, yeah? No, I don't. I, 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 I didn't actually know it was, it was, it was a, it was a remake, uh, until you said about it. Oh, that's interesting. I, I didn't, I, I, I didn't know that at all. Um, I, is it, is it worth watching the original? Um, yeah. Um, that's, that is interesting. It's, it's, I, it's kind of one of those infamous how an American remake fucks up a, an original film. Because uh, I'm mean, looking, it's the same. It's the same, same director. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the same guy. Um, uh, I'm a little bit whether I actually want to tell you. It ends at a certain point where the remake goes on. Ah, oh, you can tell me. So yeah, basically the original ends with him with. Uh, you have to refresh me on the remake. Does he give him the choice of like, I will let I I will tell you what happened to your wife, but you have to drink this. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then he drinks it. Yeah. 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 That's right. Because then he wakes up and then he gets saved. You're like, yeah. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. He doesn't get saved in the original. <laughs> and it just that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. It just it just basically ends with him like banging on the thing, and then basically the film ends. Um, and it's, it's one of those ones where, like, thankfully I'd seen the, the original first and, and then, and then the remake. And it just, it, it is one of those big cases where it's, this is what, you know, Hollywoodizing a, like, a, a, an original film can do. Yeah, well, it, it, interestingly, um, from, you know, like I said, I, I didn't know that that was, that was the case, but that very much is where I said that it started to go yes, just yeah. a little bit stupid and a little kind, bit back. meant that, to be honest, yeah. It, it is exactly that moment. Um, so, yeah, that kind of actually, yeah, that, that really makes sense. Um, but, yeah, but in saying that, I had a lot of fun with The Vanishing. Uh, it's, you know, it, don't know, it's not a, it's not, an, an amazing film, but um, I watched it. I was in work early uh, in the morning the other day, um, so I got up until ten. But I was in at like half past seven, so I had a couple of hours to kill. Um, so I watched that while eating my breakfast, and it, it kind of it, it killed the time quite nicely. Fair play. Go on, Ian. Hit us with your first one old or one new. Okay, so I'll do my one old then. So I was flicking through Netflix the other day and just thinking, you know, I, I've got no idea what I want to watch at the moment. I just want to stick something on and uh, came across, uh, I think it's from 2008, Peterberg's Hancock. Um, now... Yeah, so I'd seen this in the cinema, like, like I test screened the print, and um, I, I haven't seen it since. And I came to it just kind of thinking, right, I, 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 I think I'm ready to give this another chance. I mean, it, it, like, famously, it was it, it, it was based on a, the original screenplay was called Tonight He Comes, 
and it was basically, you know, what that is on the tin. It, it was essentially a subversive superhero film about this guy who basically tries to get laid, but he can't because no Earth woman can handle his thrust, essentially, um, <laughs> which is a fucking fantastic concept for a film. And it, yeah. but it was turned into Hancock, um, which is a film that after a first act, which I quite enjoy because it is just Will Smith being abrasive. I mean, there's a fantastic bit where he's just saved Jason, Jason Bateman and this woman's like, I can smell the liquor on your breath. And he just goes, I've been drinking, bitch, which just has me, <laughs> which, which just has me howling. Um, and if the film had kept on with that kind of acidic, abrasive, just kind of like mean, kind of bad Santa-ness, um, it really yeah. could have been something, but unfortunately, it's a, a massive Will Smith blockbuster. So after the first act, which already isn't perfect, it becomes a film that literally, literally gets less interesting with every scene. Hmm. Well, it, 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 it doesn't, like, you start off, like, at a good level, and it just, it, it dips. There is not a bump at all. It literally <laughs> gets less interesting with every scene. It, it, it's, yeah. it's a hell of a thing. Where the ending of the film, where it's Charlize Theron and Jason Bateman are happy again, and Hancock's in New York, and he's got an eagle sidekick, um, and, and, and he's got the he's got the superhero uniform on, and he, he bloody highlights uh, Jason Bateman's charity logo in the moon and you know and then it, it's a shot of him like like flying down through New York and it that is a, a transition from actually quite an interesting obviously flawed superhero to Captain Bland USA yeah but it, 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 it's almost it, it, it's almost as if they're doing that on purpose, but it's not. It's supposed to be a heartwarming hero moment at the end of the film where his arc has been completed from interesting anti-hero who still saves people but does it messily to really generic superhero who would not last more than three comic book issues. It, yeah. It, it, it just... I, I don't know. I mean, the... I mean, the bad guy makes no sense whatsoever. I mean, Eddie, Eddie Marzan doing a Texan accent and he comes back towards the end of the film and somehow knows everything about Hancock and all his weaknesses. I mean, it's bizarre. He enters the scene and he seems to know absolutely everything, despite the <laughs> fact that it has been really kept between him and Bateman's character and his, uh, and his wife. And, 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 it, yeah. and it, 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 it just, it's, it's, it, it's a massive prime example of filmmaking by committee where every single creative decision made makes the film less interesting. Yeah, and it, it's telling you've got a film there that is, you know, you know, this was a film made, what, six years ago? Yeah, about, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and it, it cost a hundred and fifty million dollars, which nowadays, you know, 
it's still a lot of money, but it's pretty standard box office, uh, blockbuster fare now, $150 million. Um, but this was, it's also, it's in it, it, like an hour and a half or something like that. Yeah, it's, I, I think it's something like 94 minutes with credits. I mean, there, there is, to be fair, there's a 15 rated extended version. On the yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, which um, does contain him taking a girl back to his trailer, and um, I think like he, like she gets blown out through the trailer wall or something when he when he like fucks her, which is quite funny. But um, it, it's so yeah. I mean, the, the thing is, it's just the fact that there was potential there, but you add Will Smith and you add that that budget. And it's it, it it just it's not going to be as interesting as the premise makes it sound. Yeah. Uh, and I mean it's a shame because there is there is funny shit in there and Will Smith as an anti-hero kind of dick is actually pretty fun to watch. And it's not something that Will Smith does. You know, I mean like no, he, he he often plays it quite safe, doesn't he? Yeah, I mean, like, his character kind of had dark moments in I Am Legend, but, I mean, he still ends up basically saving the world, so it's, I mean, you know, I mean, obviously, Will Smith, I mean, famously, he turned down Django. I I, I mean, he basically said it was because it was Christoph Waltz's movie, and, you know... Yeah, he wanted to be the the, the star. Yeah, and, and like, primarily the hero, you know, it just, it's, it's... There's something about the Will Smith brand that that just makes anything it touches a bit less interesting. Mm. And uh, I mean, I don't know. It'll be interesting. I mean, what the fuck was the last film he did? Will Smith. Yeah. After Earth. Oh God, yeah, of course it was. Yeah, which which literally just backs up what you just said. Yeah, I mean, ge- genuinely, less than a year ago, and I. That film had completely gone out of my memory. I didn't even hate it, but it had gone out of my memory. Um, so yeah, Hancock. It just, um, it's, it's just a shame because there's there's an opening twenty five thirty minutes or so, which is actually pretty fun. Is that is it the opening twenty five thirty minutes where he sticks the guy's head up his ass? Yeah, I mean it's it's about yeah it's about after that. I think that might be about thirty five forty minutes in. It's about after that. That it really goes downhill. Yeah, I mean, he's. I mean, think about it. it, it you know, since then, he's only made a few movies since then. You know, he did that Seven Pounds. Oh, God. Uh, which was fucking terrible. Terrible. Men, Men in Black 3 and After Earth. Mm. You know, he's cropped up in a couple of bits, like cameos, but yeah, that's, that's, that's it so far. Um. And then he's going to be in a rom-com. Oh, is that Focus? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Anyway, uh, Mark, let's have your one old. My, uh, my one old, um, I watched, well, I watched, first off, I rewatched Lego, uh, Lego movie, um, last night, uh, and again, second time I thoroughly enjoyed it, um, but then, it got sort of, you know, we finished watching that, it's about 10 o'clock, and uh, basically I want to watch something a little bit sort of sleazy, but not uber sleazy. Um, but something, I said, oh, I said, it was just something like just ultimately 90s. 
And so I thought, well, I know what actually fits the bill there, what actually fits that sleazy but incredibly 90s kind of vibe. So we watched uh, the uh, 1992, I think you could probably call it a cult film now, uh, Poison Ivy. Oh, God, um, okay. Through, I take it you've seen Poison Ivy? No, no, I haven't, but I know what it Have is. Have you not? No. Have you not? Oh, right. Um, so, I'm not uh, going po- to watch Poison Ivy, Mark. You can, can try and convince me as much as you want. Well, it's you who, only you who's missing out. Okay. If I'm going to say that. Um, essentially, with Poison Ivy, uh, it's a 1982 film uh, directed by uh, Kat Shear, who went on to direct nothing else. Um, and uh, it stars uh, Drew Barrymore, uh, Sarah Gilbert, Tom Skerritt. Uh, and what you've got is you've got Drew Barrymore playing a girl from the uh, seemingly from the wrong side of the tracks who has a scholarship to go to a more sort of prestige, prestigious uh, paid for high school and she befriends um, Sarah Gilbert's character uh, and they they kind of become almost like sisters with uh, Drew Barrymore's Ivy uh, character who you don't actually know if that's a real name. It's a uh, name given to her by Sarah Gilbert because she notices that she's got a tattoo of Ivy on her leg. Oh. Um, so she ends up moving in and basically um, kind of starts infiltrating parts of her life. Um, Ivy seems to have uh, a way of sort of manipulating and controlling people quite easily and she seems to know the right things to say to calm situations down or to get people to see either her side of things and to kind of explain her way out of things um for instance um Sarah Gilbert's character Sylvie um her mother is dying of emphysema um and she has this quite fractured relationship with, with her mother where she doesn't really believe that her mother's ill, thinks that she's faking it. She can't stand her father and she's very much that archetypal 90s, you know, nobody understands me, nobody likes me kind of um, character. And then you have Ivy comes into it and she immediately starts getting on really well with the mother while at the same time is constantly putting out those sexual vibes to the father, um, Tom Skerritt, um, and, you know, ultimately ends up um, getting into a relationship with um, the father, Tom Skerritt. Um, it's one of those things where it is, it is an unbelievably 90s movie uh, in terms of the way it's shot, in terms of the way that the, the music is, is overblown, and, you know, there's all of this kind of angst, it's an incredibly angry movie um, but it's under 90 minutes, it gets in gets its stories told and gets the fuck out before it gets time to get kind of too bogged down with itself and I haven't watched this movie in maybe 17-18 years uh, I still enjoyed the rewatch of it um, it's still fun, sort of throwaway trashy um, slice of 90s cinema fair enough I, I just I, I, I'm I, not a massive erotic thriller fan you see I, I, that's the thing I'm a huge erotic thriller fan of course um, it, you know it's, it's a fucking I, it, do you know what 
it's a genre where you can just make shit movies right. and, <laughs> and get away with it. And this, this, you know, this isn't actually a, a, a shit movie. You know, in are, you, are you sure? Are you sure? I, honestly, I, it, it, I'm not saying it's a great movie, but there's certainly enough appeal there. It's fucking dark at points as well, um, and it, it kind of it makes sense. And as well, there's unlike a lot of the um, the erotic thrillers of the time that we get to, you know, that they bar out of films like Basic Instincts and um, Sliver and uh, you know, films like that, Fatal Attraction, where you know it was. A lot of the time, it was a little bit story, a little bit story, nudity, a little bit story, a little bit story, nudity. And that is that is what kind of killed the right thriller, because you have these ones that are peppered in that are actually quite fucking good. And then you have the utter terrible ones, like Body of Evidence, for instance, is a terrible movie. I adore it, but it's a terrible movie. Uh, that is literally, right, we've had six, seven minutes of talking, can we show some tips now, please? Point nine is not actually like that. There's actually not a great amount of nudity within it, um, and not a great amount of sex within it. There's maybe two actual sex scenes in the entire movie, uh, and they're very fleeting. They're not. Let's focus on this for ages. There's, you know, part of it is the fact that at the time I think Drew Barrymore was only maybe seventeen years old at the time. Um, so you know you, you wouldn't have been able to show so much you know there, uh, but it is it, it's not just about that. It is about the way that this girl has managed to develop this way to just manipulate people, and it's not just manipulating people by being overtly sexual. And there is sort of undertones of the fact that you know is she actually is she actually attracted to. Um, you know Tom Skerritt's character, or is she more attractive to Sarah Gilbert's character? Is there's there's that whole kind of um, vibe going on with it? And I, I, yeah, I do actually think it's it, it's definitely got a place. I can see why it's developed the kind of cult following it, it, it it's got. I imagine that, and I haven't seen. I think I've seen Poison Ivy two, uh, but I haven't seen three or four. Um, uh, I imagine they're the uber trashy, sleazy um, shite. Um, but to be honest, I, I probably weren't watching them uh, now that I've reinvigorated, you know, the watching this movie. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I thoroughly re- enjoyed my rewatching of Poison Ivy. It was a very good kind of fucking, you know, I, I, I probably watched this when I was a kid um, late on a Saturday night, uh, uh, and it, it, it feels like that kind of movie. It feels like a movie that you shouldn't start watching before 11 o'clock at night. Yeah, okay, fair enough. I, yeah, uh, I just, it, it, it's not quite my bag, to be honest with you. I'm actually fairly conservative when it comes to, uh, to uh, that kind of genre of film. I just, not really my thing. Yeah, I fucking love that genre of film. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> Go on, then. Hit us with your one... Uh, one old. Uh, one new strike. Yeah, no, it is my one new, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, so, yeah, uh, my one new is currently out on VOD in the US. Um, it is Clark Gregg's Trust Me. Um, so, yeah, this is uh, Clark Gregg, who um, I believe wrote the adaptation and directed Choke uh, a few uh, few years back. And yeah, uh, yeah. I didn't. I did not know that. Uh, I'm just going to Google it quickly, just in case I'm not. I'm 
pretty fucking sure he did do choke. He did, yeah, he did. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and uh, but he's, oh. he's he's more kind of um, famous these days for uh, being Agent Coulson uh, in in Agents of Shield and and what have you. Um, but yeah, this is his new film. Uh, stars himself um, as a an agent of uh, child stars. He's a former child star himself, and uh, he's not having a very good time of it. He's losing um, he's losing clients hand over fist. Um, as Sam Rockwell's character says to him at one point, he's like a fellow agent. Um, he doesn't really steal his, uh, Sam Rockwell's client, uh, uh, character doesn't really steal his, uh, clients. Clark Gregg's ones just kind of misplaces them, uh, which is quite, uh, which is quite a good line. Um, but yeah, he sees his chance when, um, he starts representing, uh, this girl who, um, uh, wouldn't you know it, um, basically gets kind of like scouted and, um, is offered the lead role in a new Twilight-esque uh, franchise becoming um, and basically he's trying to uh, keep her away from Sam Rockwell's agent a character while at the same time also trying to deal with um, her father um, who is a little bit dodgy in but it, it, it's like he may be abusing her he may not be abusing her and it, it's a bit Oh dear. Um, so yeah, I'm just trying to find the uh, the, the girl who um, uh, the the girl in the lead, in the role opposite Clark Gregg, um, Saxon Sharbino, um, who was in the I Spit on Your Grave remake as Chastity Storch, and uh, a great name for a character, uh, and is going to be in the Poltergeist remake. So, uh, yeah. Mm. And um, so I've never really seen her before, but she was, um, she was actually pretty good in it. Um, she plays this kind of like, she's like 13 going on 14 um, year, year old who uh, has a kind of a, 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 an older way about her. And um, she kind of um, grows attached to Clark Gregg's character and, and vice versa. Um and I mean, they, they've got a relationship in the film that kind of it, it kind of goes in the expected places, but then goes to different places, which again kind of slightly feel expected. And I mean, I suppose the the, the key complaint of the film is that it does feel like you've seen it all before. The Hollywood, everyone in Hollywood is a bastard. Insider thing has been done many a time, um, and this film doesn't have too much extra to say about it. Um, there's some kind of allegorical stuff going on with butterflies in the film, which leads to an ending, which I kind of felt found a bit cringe inducing, to be honest. Um, but I mean, Clark Gregg is a very, very likable presence. He's a very sincere presence. And he, I mean, he is warm and he, he feels genuine in, in whatever um, he's doing on screen um, to me. And um, he, his character, you want to see him succeed, even though, you know, he's obviously got flaws. Um, and he, 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 his relationship with, with the girl kind of gets you through it. Um, Sam Rockwell, kind of just an extended cameo. He's in a few scenes, but he's not in the film much. Uh, but he's, uh, you know, he's pretty solid in it. Um, Amanda Peet has a good kind of love interest thing going on with Clark Gray's character. Uh, Felicity Huffman and Alison Janey um, turn up in kind of cameos as well so it's um, it's it's a well cast piece and, it, and it's well acted it just, it won't linger long in the memory um, and I kind of had that with Choke as well to be honest I, 
I don't think he's a particularly distinctive filmmaker, Clark Gregg, but it, it, it's nice that he, he, he keeps plugging away. You know, I yeah. mean, it, it's, it's, it's a three out of five effort. Um, but, it, it, you know, I mean, it's, it's one that's certainly worth watching. I think it's like 86 minutes long or something as well, which always helps. So, yeah, I mean, it's... Yeah, if you like your Hollywood Insider kind of stuff, this is this is a good watch, but it, it's nothing more than that, I suppose. But good for good for Clark Gregg for um, for doing this. I mean, like with Agents of Shield, he's got an easy payday for at least a few years, and he could just rest on that, but he's not, and that's that's good to see. Yeah, he's, he's obviously using his the, the current exposure that he's got to kind of get a chance to maybe do something like this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And 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 good for him. It's 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 not a stretch, but it's 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 solid enough. Cool. Yeah, so that that was quick, but that's all I really have to say on that. So um let's get on to the first part of Ian and Mark throw their own shit at each other as we take on Planet of the Apes. Uh here is I'm sure what's going to be a very kitschy original trailer for the film. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I genuinely don't know, but I'm sure it will be. And we'll get into it. Cool. Can't help thinking that somewhere in the universe there has to be something better than man. Has to be. The words are Charlton Heston's. Get out a last signal to Earth and we've landed. he finds out of the galaxy will challenge every idea you've ever had of civilization. A planet where man is the lowest order of living things and the superior beings are apes. They build the cities, make the laws, the gods, and control the guns. That hunt a race of lowly, terrified humans who run wild in the jungles, are caged in the prisons, and stuffed in the museums. 20th Century Fox transforms the motion picture screen into Planet of the Apes. Pierre Boulle's finest novel since Bridge on the River Kwai. The world gone insane, an upside-down civilization that could not be real. Yes, a world of madness and terror. Man has no understanding. He can be taught a few simple tricks, nothing more. You did it. You cut up his brain, you bloody babble. not end here. It ended in an episode so unpredictable, so shocking, it made the horror which preceded it seem calm and gentle as a summer's night. A great many people worked long and hard to answer the question of what a civilization would be like where the evolutionary process had been reversed and apes were the superior species. Hundreds of technicians and the largest number of makeup artists ever assembled assisted the producers, the writers, the director, and the cast, Dr. Cornelius Roddy McDowell, Dr. Zira, as played by Kim Hunter, Dr. Zayas, as portrayed by Maurice Evans, and Nova by Linda Harrison. Now 
the tribunal has placed you in my custody for final disposition. You realize what that means? No. Emasculation to begin with. Then experimental surgery on the speech centers, on the brain. Eventually a kind of living death. Planet of the Apes, beyond your wildest dreams. Okay, so, Planet of the Apes is directed by Franklin J. Schnaffner and uh, stars uh, Charlton Heston, Roddy McDowell, Kim Hunter, Maurice Evans, and uh, Linda Harrison, and introducing Linda Harrison and others. Uh, an astronaut crew crash lands on a planet in the distant future where intelligent talking apes are the dominant species and the humans are the oppressed and enslaved. So says the IMDb um, uh, 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 synopsis of it planet of the apes it's the first part of ian and mark throwing their own shit at each other and it's the seminal original mark uh in, it's it's one of those films it's, it's it's an iconic um film you know it's got iconic scenes it's got iconic lines in it um and it also happens to be a, a, a very entertaining movie um it's a lot Whenever you, I watch it, I've seen it a number of times now. But whenever I watch it, I always, I always surprised, I'm always re-surprised with how kind of um, playful it is and how it isn't just um, sort of camera stands there and shoots that, and it it, it 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 does things a little bit different, and it's it's shot from sort of different angles, and it you know it has long bits where there's there's no talking, and it, it it's a it's very much a um, a unique idea um, that has happened to uh, you know have spawned so much that, that has gone on since it um, and it's you know I've seen all the point the films um, over the years uh, but it's gonna be interesting watching them one after another but there's I think with what the originality that, that it brings within this film and the story and the fact that it works so well and you know there's even what how many god how many years old is it now you know it's it's uh, 40, what, in 1968 46, right? so 46 years 46, old yeah you know it, it, it's it's nearly 50 years old and um, yes you know you, you can make out that some of the costumes are just masks but once you kind of make it out, you know, and you know, it doesn't matter. It's still, they still feel like the characters they're supposed to be yeah. because it's a really strong film. You're not, you're too busy going, listening to what they're saying, watching what's going on, and you're too involved in it to notice that, yeah, it's just guys in gorilla costumes essentially, but. It works better in this than my memory suggests, and you know, in weeks to come, uh, I might be different. But it works so much better in this than in the um, Burton remake uh, of, of uh, Planet of the Apes, because this this focuses on the story and on the essentially Charlton Heston's character trying to prove that he is man and that man is more than what they're claiming he is 
Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah, quite. Um, I, I will just say as well, I've got Lottie with me now, so um, if we hear any kind of screaming and whatnot, it's not just me, it's not me just having a split personality. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I echo all of that, really, man. I mean, it's it's amazing how kind of sparse the film is. Um, mm. I, I, I mean, it, it's got... It's got some pretty fucking intelligent things to say. I mean, there's some interesting shot compositions. I mean, the uh, the kind of like the see no evil, hear no evil, uh, uh, speak no evil thing, the, the uh, composition you get with the three um, uh, uh, orangutans on the ju- uh, uh, like they were like trialing him. Um, I didn't mm. remember that, and that's that's a that's a great shot. Um, but just the the, the, the otherworldliness of it is so well played. Um, you know, I mean, like with Jerry Goldsmith's score at the beginning. I mean, it's a mental score generally. It is. It's a, it's a brilliant score, though. Yeah, yeah. I, I was going to mention the score. It, it's, 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 it, it just it it adds to that otherworldliness of it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It kind of it does get you it does get you set up for that. And um, the the opening half hour. Or so I mean, it takes a while until you actually see the apes. Mm. Uh, you know, and it, it's got all these kind of discussions between characters, two of whom aren't actually going to, like, be in the rest of the film. Uh, but, it, I mean, <laughs> it, it kind of sets up, up um, Charlton Heston's kind of misanthropy um, uh, rather well. I mean, his character is a wonderfully complex one, like one who's just shitting on humanity until something else shits on humanity. So then he, he he's like the ultimate contrarian. Uh, yeah. um, I mean, it, which is incredible. But I mean, the the landscapes are awesome. They they just they do feel like another planet. Um, and just the the, the 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 sparseness and then like just the pockets of water and kind of lakes and whatnot. I mean, it's wonderfully done. I mean, it, there are moments in the film that don't quite work. I mean, the the, the whole reasoning for why um, Heston can't say anything. Is you know for a solid half hour is pretty dumb, um, yeah. But, yeah, but I, I, it, there's so much wonderful stuff in there. I mean, the character of Doctor Zaius is is wonderfully complex as well. This this guy who sees religion as a means of of engendering social order as much as anything else, and like not wanting to and, and not wanting to kind of prove that Heston's right even though he knows in his heart of hearts that he is because because he's worried about what it will mean for society and what it kind of means to what he thinks about his own existence it's yeah. like Maurice Evans is fantastic in 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 that performance and in in what he's kind of doing in between the lines uh, right that take daddy's earphones wire out of your mouth please honey there we go <laughs> sorry um so yeah, I mean it's that 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 stuff is wonderfully done. I mean it's it's a film that really grows with rewatching. I find, um, and I mean it, 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 even though again there are moments that don't work. I mean you've got the the young chimp who's kind of like the the anti authority one, who's like the stick it to the man one, and Charlton Heston's kind of reactions to him. That they're a yeah. bit really, you know, but it it works way way more than it doesn't work. This and I mean, like the the makeup effects, I I still find impressive. I like the way that they make them all look different. You know, like they're, they're kind of like their shapes of their faces all look different. They're not just the same mask done fifty times. Yeah, uh, they're, they're it, distinguishable. Yeah, yeah. It's I mean that that, that that's 
wonderful. It, it, it just it's a film that really holds up, even though the pacing of it is something you you just don't find in studio for films at all these days. Right, okay, you're gumming Daddy's earphone wires. They're, they're fascinating, aren't they? Sorry. Um, but, um, yeah, it's, sorry, Mark, talk, go on. I'm, I'm gonna mute my, my mic, I am listening to you, but I'm just gonna... Well, yeah, I think I agree that it, it's, you know, it, I think, you know, it, it's, it's a strange film in the fact that it was a big risk making the film at the, at the time. It wasn't a film that, that kind of, you know, that the, the studios really expected to, to, to do, you know, and become as iconic as it did. And it, it has, because it's got some, you know, some great sequences. There are bits in it that, that don't work. Uh, the whole bit where um, Charlton Heston first kind of escapes, and essentially it almost goes a little bit kind of Benny Hill for a while, where yeah. he is just running around in circles, uh, just trying, just basically outmanning the apes. And it that kind of there's bits in that way it doesn't. Well, I think maybe it shows its its age somewhat, but. You're right. The, the world, the the planet feels otherworldly. It feels it feels the society feels lived in, um, and it doesn't just feel coincidental. Um, and you know, there's there's a lot of you know of, of subtext within there that's fairly you know it's not hidden so deep that you know that you wouldn't be able to find it with any great ease. You know, it is the religion is used to control the masses kind of thing. And is that a bad thing? And it's it, it's quite ambiguous what it feels about that. But like you say, there's, there's the flip flopping of um, Charlton Heston's character where he doesn't really seem to see a, a place for himself within you know humanity. And then when he finds himself out of humanity, uh, he realizes that you know that that he craves that you know and yeah. you know that humanity craves you know companionship and it, you know it, it craves all of these things and. Once he finds out that the world that he knew, you know, was gone, he knew the world he the, that he knew was gone. But once he got back there and found out that it wasn't only that the world he knew was gone, the world he knew no longer existed, but now is another world. Yeah. It, it was, you know, he straight away is back to well, it was, you know, we fucked it up. Yeah, you know? I mean the last, I mean obviously the last line in the film, you know, it just it's it's kind of the the, the fact that. It's not. It's almost like it's not a surprise to him as well. Yeah. It's just like you know, you, you actually did it. You blew it up. You know, it, it's that. I mean, and just the fact that that's an ending you don't get anymore. I mean, like the, the ending to, we'll talk about next week about the second one next week. But the ending to that is an ending you just don't see anymore either. But I mean, it, it's it, it's so dark. But not in a kind of a wallowing in it kind of sense. It just thematically through the film, it kind of almost feels like this is the perfect ending. Yeah, I mean, it, it what else sense, it, it's, it, it's a great. It gives you that great iconic shot as well, um, and it's easy to see why that has become such a a wonderful shot. Um, that, you know, I mean, now you know you get you know, the, the DVD cover of it is that shot. Yeah. Um, and the film's become synonymous with that shot, and it's the closing shot to the film. Yeah, yeah, no, ex- exactly. I mean, it, I mean, it is the iconic moment. I suppose that that's you know that is for good reason, even though it does that does kind of spoil it. Um, it it's 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, and Charlton Heston as well. I mean, obviously, he kind of he, he seemed to like this kind of thing. I mean, the, the Omega Man's very much of a piece with this as well, you know. Um, yeah, and it's I, I, he he does it well. He does the he just does the kind of the, the the very much a man of his principles, but he's also kind of tortured by it. Yeah, it, 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 it it's so well handled and. Um, uh, but then, I mean, I think uh, Roddy McDowell and Kim Hunter are are fantastic as well. Uh, I mean, the, the, the Kim Hunter's kind of like just uh, just being the, uh, the, the the kind of the uh, oh, what's the word the uh, not naive but kind of like the, the kind of like the, the the kind of the wide eyed kind of almost kind of youthful kind of just is in it for the science kind of thing. I mean, it's it's really well handled and her relationship with. Um, with um, uh, Cornelius is Cornelius. It, uh, it is lovely. I mean, in, in the third film in particular, that's really expanded upon. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that they're, they're both fantastic. I mean, I already mentioned Maury Evans. I mean, Linda Harrison basically does nothing but looks good, you know. But she does that well, yeah. you know. Um, yeah, she does. But that's that 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 is literally it. Yeah, yeah. So, but I mean, it's I I I don't know. I mean, it just it looks great. It, it it sounds great. I mean, some of the dialogue is is a little bit on the nose. I mean, the um, the kind of the, the swapping out kind of the, I'm trying, struggling to think of examples now, but swapping out the kind of like human phrases and, it, and like just adding simian instead of human to something. You know, it, it's yeah. it's I, again that's a little bit on the nose. But I mean, then I mean, it was you know the screenplay was written by um, Michael Wilson, but also uh, Rod Serling, so it's got that kind of slightly on the nose twilight zone nature to it um so i mean i suppose that's not really a surprise but but for a film that's nigh on 50 years old i mean it's it's incredibly intelligent and thoughtful stuff and yet this was aimed at the mainstream you know kind of almost like blockbuster filmmaking before blockbusters and it's i I, it just holds up really well and i mean the, the the character arcs in it are really well handled and what it's got to say, it's still really, really, really relevant. Uh, It's a, it's a, it's a fucking cracking film and it, I don't know. It's just, the time melts away when I'm watching it. I find even though the pace is quite slow for a lot of it. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. It does jump by quite nicely. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I don't know. It, oh, bloody hell. So, uh, sorry, my earphones are out for just a sec. Sorry, and back. <laughs> let go, let go. You've got your toy. You've got your toy. So let's play with him instead. Sorry. Um, it, it's, the rest of the films aren't really like this. I mean, Beneath the Planet of the Apes retains some of it, but we'll, we'll get into that next week. But then the rest of the films are very, very, very different. Very different. Yeah. I mean, and, and the, I mean, the remake is very different as well. Um, mm. this, I mean, this was a film that they just didn't think was going to be a franchise, and it, it turned into one. It just seemed to hit a cultural zeitgeist, and yet it's got really interesting shit in there. Yeah, it, 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 it's great sci-fi. Yeah. It, you know, and you know, we, we often, you know, confuse sci-fi with space and things like that, yeah. and we forget that it isn't, it, it's about breaking the norms uh, and giving something 
different and looking at things from a different perspective. That's where it works. And this is a great kind of classic sci-fi movie. And you can absolutely see why it has the the kind of the relevance that it has and why it is as well thought of as it is. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. Absolutely. Um, I mean... God, very definitely not shit. And um, yes, the Blu-ray looks yeah, fantastic yeah. as well, it's worth saying. Oh, my earphones are gone again. Shocker. Bloody hell. Um, <laughs> well, while, while, while Ian's got his earphones, I, I, I actually watched it on uh, on DVD. Um, oh, really? Okay. But, yeah, I did that. Well, the thing is, I've got, I've still got the, the box set on DVD. Yeah. Um, and I was going to get the Blu-ray box set, but I thought, it's 30-odd quid. And I'm, 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 if it ever comes down to sort of like like 15 quid or below, I'll buy it then. I, I managed to find the collection that had all the films, including Rise of the Planet of the Apes, about a year ago for about £17. You see, if I sit such so that, I get yeah, yeah, it's seven um, films for 17 quid. That's good going. It's a bargain, yeah. But for now, like I say, I've got them all, I've got them all on DVD and... You know, I can. It looks alright. It looked perfectly fine. Yeah, fair play. Cool. Um, so yeah, we'll be back next week with uh, Beneath the Planet of the Apes, and hopefully we'll have a guest to join us. Um, who knows? We shall see. And uh, let's get on to some Twitter questions. Lottie, what are the Twitter questions? Shall we have a look? Shall we have a look? Right. Okay. We've got at Rick J Kid. As we've just had the European elections, which movie politician would you vote for? Uh, Donald Pleasance in Escape from New York because he's A number one. <laughs> um, Jack Nicholson in um, Mount Tax. Oh, that's a good one. I, I, I love him just because just of that speech. <laughs> well, then, why can't we all just get along? Yeah. yeah why can't we all just get along? Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that's that's who I vote for. Plus, I'd like a president with or a prime minister with that much of a shitty grin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. That would be good. Oh, nice. Okay, um, at Lizzie Beth underscore. So, by the new X Men, all previous X Men films have no reason to exist. Where will they go next? Um, I don't know. I think X Men, X Men Two, and First Class, and. Yeah, first class have reasons to exist. I think the Wolverine does as well because Wolverine remembers that. I mean, in a way, you could say the Last Stand like has a reason to exist it, because it, Wolverine remembers it. But it, it's one of those where it, it, it's interesting um, of, of the case of because essentially now everything that happened really in the first three movies, um, you know, effectively. Yes, it happened, but now in the timeline that we may rejoin, it didn't happen. Uh, although Wolverine knows it happened, I'm sure we'll explain to, you know, Professor X that it happened. But, um, First Class still happened. The next movie, we don't know where that'll join in. Explain um, Wolverine Origins, that still happened. And there's even a case to say Wolverine might have still happened. We don't know yet. Because we don't know whether or not Striker does end up getting Wolverine at some point in the future. We don't know whether or not he does end up getting the adamantium claws, etc. The implication so, by the end of the film was almost that like Striker was Mystique all along or something. Like she fucking did it to him almost. It, it's well described because they... That would be an well, interesting it's from, idea. 
it, actually, yeah, that, 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 that she's striker from there on, yeah. It would be so, there's a lot of places it, it can go. Um, I can, I can see the, 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 the point of the fact that it does essentially remove those three movies out of the, the existence for a lot of the, some of the characters that might come back in. But I don't think those characters are going to form the basis of, of what's going on and the totally. ones that it will, will have been filled in because Wolverine will tell Professor X, Professor X, you know, we don't know. We will we'll tell that Magneto. Sorry. We don't even know that Magneto, what's, what's happened to that Magneto. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it kind so of looks like he's going to go off and kind of recruit a bunch of people now. Because, mm. I mean, like, the mutants are out there now, aren't they? That's that's the yeah. thing. I mean, like, the Cuban Missile Crisis, the end of first class, I mean, like, they managed to sweep them under the rug, whereas now the mutants are out there. So it, yeah. it'll be, it will be interesting to see where Apocalypse goes. Because I'm assuming it's going to be, like, a maybe a band of human humans are looking to destroy all mutants and then apocalypse comes along and he's like well fuck everybody yeah yeah and uh really is that right um and the, the, the last question i don't know how much of this is coming through on the recording i'm guessing quite a lot sorry um at slippery underscore jack when was the last time so this is richard wells uh when was the last time you hunted down a film based purely on the poster slash cover art mine was this and um you can see this on um our uh twitter um if you want but it's the uh poster for um senet unshi uh uh which uh played at fright fest a couple of years back i believe yes um and yeah it's a fantastic last year it's a fantastic yeah it might it might have been uh it's a fantastic poster um mm. i mean like the last one i didn't i, I, I want to watch it yeah totally man um i mean i didn't watch it myself i mean i, I didn't I, I didn't hunt it down because of the poster myself but i mean the strange color of your body's tears i mean that poster is incredible um yeah yeah that's that, that's what first came to me um but I think the last one that I ever sort of tracked down, that I tracked down just based solely on the poster is, I'll, I'll send you a link here. Okay. Uh, I'll send you this link now, uh, via Skype, uh, and it's for, um, give me two seconds. There you go, I've looked the poster in that. It's for the, um, Francesco, uh, Borelli film, um, the uh, perfume of the lady in black. Um, uh, yeah, that's that's the nice. That's stylish, man. It is, yeah. Um, and it, it, it's an Italian kind of giallo horror kind of aspect film um, that I sat down uh, and I I've only watched it once and I was pretty drunk when I watched it, yeah. so I can remember flashes of it but not actually um, exactly what happened, and I've not got back round to re-watching it, because uh, it was only like about a year or so that I, I tracked it down. Uh, but I, I do remember enjoying it, but uh, I, I had about seven pints of mustard and half of um, Jim Beam, so oh, no, I, 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 I'd, have, I'd have enjoyed pretty much anything. Um, you know, I, I could have quite easily been watching a wall um, for <laughs> Uh, and you know, and then sort of well, rewatch it in like a couple of weeks time and go. So much wall as I remember the reading there. Nice. Um, so yeah, so I, I I shall watch that over the next week or so and, and get that to play out 
Very cool. Um, I'm gonna, I, 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 that was it for Twitter questions anyway, but I think I'm gonna call it an end here, cause, uh, I think the little lady's getting a little bit frustrated with having, having to sit on my lap, uh, and, and having to listen to, uh, me talk to no one. So, um, thank you, thank you very much for listening, folks. Um, and, uh, next week is gonna be, I'm assuming, the edge of tomorrow. Uh, yes, yeah, yeah, I think so, yeah. Cool, and uh, we'll also have the next part of the uh, Ian and Mark throw shit at each other marathon, as we t- uh, their own shit at each other marathon, as we take a look at Beneath the Planet of the Apes, as long as, as well as your uh, usual stuff. Uh, Mark, have you got anything else, or uh, or is that it? No, just, just the normal bits. Uh, Twitter questions, we'll accept them at any point during the week, so oh. if you listen to the podcast and you think of a question, send it to us, think of a question randomly during the week. Send it to us. Uh, we always like answering them. We're always a lot of fun. Um, and uh, dudemonkey at gmail dot com uh, at dudemonkey at Ian Lauren at dudefoz. Uh, we thank you very much for listening. Thanks very much for uh, for uh, steering the ship just then, Mark. Nice one. Uh, that's <laughs> less shit I need to say. So um, thank you very much for listening all. And uh, normal service will resume next week where uh, Donna's not going to be out jogging, which is why I've had to uh, take Lottie for the last little uh, bit of the uh, bit of the show. Sorry if it's distracted uh, to anyone, but um, needs must. And uh, yeah, we'll speak to you guys next week. Have a good week. Bye bye. See you later. <laughs> That's right. <laughs>